0: That's Hebrews chapter 4. You can turn to it if you want, starting verse 1. I think they got it on the screen too. Awesome. Therefore, while the promise, we've got a promise of entering his rest. What's he talking about? Very important Just start there. Um, There was a promise given to a people. That's God's people. He says, you can enter my rest. You can enter it let's go on for a second Uh, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it so it's possible to fail to enter that rest what does that mean cover that for good news came to uh to us just as to them so he's saying this promise about this rest was the same back then as it is right now what does that mean connect that later But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened for we who have believed there's a key let's remember that enter that rest as he said um, this is what god said psalm 95 he quotes as i swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest although his works were finished from the foundation of the world for he has somewhere spoken you ever, like, trying to remember a verse can came remember where it's from? It's good enough for this guy. <laughs> I think it says in the Bible, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works of that's Genesis, yeah. Uh, and again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter it because of he disobedience Again, he appoints a certain day. Today, saying through David, so this is going back again. So long afterwards, in the words already quoted, today here's a key, good key. We love this at Trinity Life. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Another word for trust, right? We love that. Hear just the way. For Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken on another day later on. Joshua, we're going back again. Old Testament, what's going on back there? So then there remains a Sabbath rest. What does Sabbath mean? As a non-Christian, so we've never been to church until he's 23 years old, you say the word Sabbath, I'm like, what the heck is that?
1: <laughs> right? Um,
0: so if you're in here and you're like, what the heck is a Sabbath? Don't worry, I've been there, done that, got the t-shirt. <laughs> Thankfully, God gave me a great gift and changed my mind. Told me what a sabbath was for wh- whoever has entered god's rest has also rested from his works as god did from his let's just stop there so there's we notice in the passage there's a lot of stuff going on way back promises there's people entering rest not entering rest things going on. so we're going to have to go back and check this out amen yeah we're going to have to um, first off let me tell a story this is clearly about rest. i'm going to call this sermon sabbath A gift of rest that God gives. Um, Tell you a little bit of a story. A lot of people, especially people close to me in my life, say, Adam, you're really busy. My wife says that a lot. Adam, you need to sleep more. (laughs) Um, And so, even Daniel, he prayed for all of us. You know, this city, we're a busy city, a lot of busy people, a lot of people not getting rest. We're just busy, right? We don't know how to rest really well. So Mike and Daniel thought it would be smart to take the biggest hypocrite on rest and put him right here to teach you all about how to rest. Um,
1: Good idea? I don't know, we'll see. Maybe
0: something good will come out of it. Because rest is a gift that God gives, not something that I'm going to give to you. Definitely not. If you're my wife, you definitely know that. She likes to go to bed at 10 o'clock. I like to go to bed at 2 o'clock. Sometimes we meet in the middle. Uh, alright cool let's go back what is this resting all about so we're going to start off we're going to go to Exodus chapter 4 if you want to join me there or chapter 20 my bad um, to the 10 commandments if you want to turn there you can if you have a real bible turn there in the pages if you got a fake bible press the buttons navigate <laughs> alright starting in verse 8 remember the sabbath To keep it holy, six days you shall labor and do all your work. Let's talk about this for a second. So remember the Sabbath. This is the first time he's saying to his people something about Sabbath, right? Remember it. What is he telling you to remember? Oh, man, we've got to go back again. We'll get there. God rested, right? That's what the Hebrews passage, uh, passage said. That God rested. So he's saying, remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day looks different, right? The seventh day looks different. Here's something real practical. If you have seven days in a week and they all look exactly the same, you're probably not resting. Or you're probably not working. (laughs) One or the other, right? Because some of you are too busy some of you are not busy enough. Six days you work, seventh day you rest. You ever wonder why we have Saturday and Sunday off? You ever wonder wonder like, why we work Monday to Friday? At least we all want to work Monday to Friday and we take Saturday and Sunday off. Because the Christians are all like, our Sabbath day is Sunday! And the Jews are all like, our Sabbath day is Saturday! And then the government came along and they were like, Man, what do we do? Just give them both a day off, no fighting. That's why you have two days off. You get more days off than God does. Convicted? A little bit. Alright, but the point is, work six days. If you're a stay-at-home mom, that's good. Right? You get to work six days, that's a job. That's a lot of work. Right, Dan? It's a lot of work, that guy, especially cute. I love that kid. But moms, take a day off, right? Rest. Make it look different from your other days. People who work a job, right? You work five days, probably. On your sixth day, think of something to do. On your seventh day, rest. <clears throat> Let's keep going. On it you shall not do any work. Okay, this is funny. This is funny because religious people like to get really weird about that. Right? Have you ever talked to a Jewish person about the Sabbath? Have you ever seen a Jewish family and the the stuff they do on the Sabbath? I love Jewish people. But we we have to talk about this for a second. In Israel, they have Sabbath elevators. And... (laughs) Everybody on the Sabbath lines up in the Sabbath elevator, okay? And there's, there's another elevator that you can't line up That Why? Because you can't do the work of pressing a button and cause the elevator to do the work of taking you up and down. Because they read something like that do not do any work, and that, that then counts as work or getting something else to work, mean, the electricity. So the elevator's pre programmed to stop on every floor and just open the door and let everybody in and out. But you can't use the regular elevator because you can't press the button. Or you have automatic light switches, right? Because you can't flick the switch to turn the electricity on. Because you're religious, really good at it. Flicking light switches counts as as work. So you cheat. You pre-program your elevator. And you use automatic light switches, because that, for some reason, doesn't count. And then you can say, in your own self-righteousness, I'm really holy because I keep the Sabbath, and I don't do a single thing. The world is just entirely pre-programmed to fit my needs so that everything else works except for me, and I can still get everything accomplished that I want to. What's wrong with that? You don't have a Sabbath heart. You have a Sabbath day, but you don't have a Sabbath heart. <clears throat> Let's keep going. Right before he says, not doing any work. Let's go back one second. On the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. So something about that day is supposed to be to the Lord. We're supposed to remember the Sabbath, keep it holy, keep it different, separate it. Six days we labor, one day we rest, and it's to the Lord. So this isn't just moral advice, like, you know, if you work really hard and if you're not a non-Christian, you go like, hey, you know what, it is a good day just to take a day, or good idea just to take a day off. You're like, all right, I'm all all moral now, and that's going to be a good strategy for me to have a more effective life. It's not how it works, right? Because the Bible is not just good moral advice. The Bible is a word from God, about God, to people. So you can't just take that and say, all right, good. I learned a good lesson about how to morally live my life at church today. Now I'm just going to take that and use that. And I'm better than everybody else now because I have more cool moral lessons than they do. To the Lord. We'll talk a little more about what that really means uh, later on. Here's the part where he tells you don't cheat, right? On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock... That's like the light switch, right? Because you can tell your horse to plow the field, you can get your horse to run, be attached to the milling pole, and and the donkey would just, or the horse or whatever animal would just walk around the milling pole and grind the the grain for you, right? And just do your work, right? No, you can't do that. You can't cheat. Or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. All right. Why does he tell them to do that? Why does he tell them to do that? Let's get a little bit of a bigger picture. Um, If you're following along in our discipleship program, um, the last day, Mike Mike taught us how to read our Bibles, right? If you missed that one, it was good. It was awesome. I know exactly how to read my Bible. <laughs> uh, it was good. I'm not just joking. Uh, and Daniel, anyway, we learn how to place ourselves in this story, right? How to look for the bigger picture. What are the themes that God's connecting together throughout Genesis to Revelation, the beginning to the end? What's the big theme? Let's learn about some themes, learn how to connect them. When we're talking about this over here, what does it look like? What did it look like over there? Okay. Learn about the tree is a big theme. Kingdom's a big theme. Covenant's a big theme. going to trace these names. So what's the big picture here? <clears throat> so in Exodus, we, it's the title of the book. That's part of it, right? God's people are leaving slavery. They are trapped in slavery under Pharaoh for 400 years, forced to work, to labor for a false god, a false king who hated his people. And God gives him a great gift of freedom, liberation. And he uses a man to lead them out. And he gives them a promise. And he says, go to the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. I'm going to gift this to you. And on the way, he says, here's how you can live in this freedom. Fully enjoy it. This is a gift to you. Here's my commandment." because I know what's best for you, because I'm a good dad. A good dad who didn't just put a whole bunch of overbearing, burdensome, ridiculous rules on you, right? That's how we think of God sometimes. That's how I thought of God. We became a Christian at 23 years old and that's what I thought God was, just a guy who gives silly rules to silly people who don't know how to stand on their own two feet, and make up their own mind, and God is there to kill and destroy your fun. That was me. That's some of you. Right? That's a lot of the city. But no. Here's a gift of freedom. And here's how you enjoy it. That's what God is doing. That's what God says to his people. Here's how you enjoy your freedom. Because for 400 years, you probably didn't have a day off. You don't know how to live free. Some of you guys might not know how to have a day off. You don't know how to live free. Some of you guys don't know how to work six days because you don't know how to live free. That was me. Let me tell you a little story. When I was 20 years old, or 18 years old, I got a job at a store, uh, right out of high school. Um, I didn't do well in high school, I was kind of a kid who was like, what am I going to do? I don't have purpose. I don't want to waste my time in college, because I'm graduating with a 57 average, and they're not going to let me in anyways, (laughs) right? So I'm just going to get a job, because life at home sucks, I'm out of here, right? So I don't have money to pay for it either, even if I really wanted to go to school, and knew what I wanted to do, and everything was perfect. So let's just get a job. So I got a job, 18, I uh, was at that job for four years. It was a pretty cool job actually. Um, I was a big nerd, big gamer. Um, and so this company sold toy soldiers. And you know, it's really cool because You paint them and set them up on a board, kill your enemy. Kind of like chess, right? Two armies set up and using different pieces. And you kill your opponent's king, right? It's awesome. I get to work here. And paint toy soldiers all day and play games and teach other people how to play games and turn people who might not be nerds yet into big nerds. It's the best. I love this job, right? All right, so I get this job. You don't know what my starting pay was? Full time salary with benefits $16,000 a year. Awesome because I get to play with toys. Right? Wasn't enough money for me to live, so what did I have to do now? Get another job. So, a little bit into it, I tried working at a restaurant for three months. That sucks. Lasted three months. I had to work $5 pizza night on Stanley Cup finals, and I was in the pizza section. (laughs) <laughs> oh, burned out. <laughs> Didn't work well. Forty hours a week there, twenty hours a week here. All right,
1: let's try a different job because
0: I I still need money because I can't afford to pay my rent or eat properly, right? We really love chips and salsa, so we would take the salsa jars, you know, and, like you can never really get all of it out, you're like, right? There's little bits stuck at the bottom, right? <laughs> So we just take them, we close it, we turn them up, upside down, leave them on our counter and we have like 20 of them sitting there and all of it eventually after a week would come to the bottom. We're 18, okay? Don't judge me. The Bible says so. <laughs> and then we'd open the lids and we'd fill it. Eventually when we had about 20 jars we'd fill a whole bowl with more salsa. I lived with a roommate because we could, I couldn't afford to pay my own rent. Um, we lived in one bedroom and we both slept in the same room. It was awesome. Um, And uh, yeah, so we were poor, so I still needed another job. Uh, So here we go, work at Roots, selling clothes. This is not fun. That's not fun. I was really good at selling leather bags to middle-aged women. Oh my gosh, that looks so good on you. Really? Amazing. Wow. I lived in Lawrence Park, so they could all afford nice Roots leather bags, right? And I'm hating them going. Can you just give me the $300 and use the other 10 bags in your closet? <laughs> right? <clears throat> I wasn't a Christian then. Don't judge me that I hated people. The Bible says so. <laughs> so I had to work, and I had to work really hard, and I wanted to work all the time. And so I started running out of energy after two years of doing that. Sort of feeling drained, tired. I couldn't wake up, and I couldn't keep my eyes open at my 40-hour-a-week job, playing with the nerds. I couldn't keep excited, right? So what do I do? I didn't have Jesus, I didn't have God, I didn't have the Lord, so what did I use? To restore my energy. Energy drinks. <laughs> right, Rockstar. You guys remember those ones? I think Red Bull and like Monster. Monster's the popular one at, at my part-time job right now. You guys know Monster? I have a coworker, I love to tell him my story all the time and he uses this as a way to, to like input the gospel into his life. It's like, dude, I've been there. Having a Monster energy drink every day, seven days a week for months on end. They got to a point for me where I would just randomly get nosebleeds because I'd be having one or two rock stars every day. Because I could not stay awake, I couldn't. I couldn't keep going. I had no energy. And then other things happened, but I won't tell you what, because it's a little bit personal. But they're bad for you. They cannot restore your energy. They inject chemicals into you, so it can take your energy from you. And you just keep going till you're absolutely depleted. So your body fights back, rebels against you, nosebleeds, body parts stop working, you just shut down, you didn't know how to rest. Some of you are like that, and you're trying to rest through something outside of yourself, trying to give yourself energy, you're trying to fuel yourself, coffee, any coffee drinkers in the house, hypocrites. All right, remember, I'm the biggest hypocrite. That's why I get to stand here. (laughs) I didn't know how to live free because I wasn't free. I was stuck in chains. God gifts his people a way to live free. And he says, it's like how I operate. I worked six days, created the heavens and the earth, and the seventh day I rested. Then you get a really religious person, right? Remember those religious people who don't want to do anything, they don't press the elevator buttons, and they don't flick on light switches. Did God not do anything on the seventh day? Does Sabbath rest mean total inactivity? No. It's ridiculous. How do I know that? Because God is always speaking. God is always holding everything together. On the seventh day, when God is resting, He's doing more work than any of us could ever possibly imagine. That the whole universe, if God wasn't intimately involved in caring for it, holding the pieces together, moving the pieces together through His Word and His hand, the universe just disappears. It's not total inactivity. Why does God, what is God doing on the seventh day? He's enjoying the man and the woman. He's taking time. To enjoy them, His creation, His glory, and all that is good. Maybe we're getting at that part there, that to the Lord part. Keep it to the Lord. Maybe we're getting at something with that.
1: Do you know that God enjoys you?
0: Do you know that God has time to enjoy you? Do you know that God takes time to enjoy you? I know you guys, might not be called a pastor, but I'm gonna have a pastoral moment with some of you. Some of you don't think that God takes delight in you and joy in you. But God carves out a special day to find joy in all his creation. And it's on a big scale. Yes. it's glory, in the universe, the heavens and the earth. That's on a small scale. Man and the woman. He delights in you. Some of you guys on your day off, you just can't rest because you're so focused on those other six days. Small business owners, you feel that, right? Oh my gosh, one of my employees exploded the store. We're running out of this stuff. And your phone's on, it's like, boss, we're out, help. We're this person called, in sick. Oh my gosh, everything's exploding. And small business owners are like, oh. Full of anxiety. You can't just turn off the phone, and rest, and you're calling to work on that day. You go, and it happens next week? Yeah, something different maybe. Maybe it's the same thing. Maybe you need to fire that person, right? He keeps calling instead. The person who doesn't know how to work. <clears throat> Some of you are just depressed on that day. Yeah, I don't know what to do. I'm not a phone. Maybe I'm just not fun. Maybe it's, or maybe the person who doesn't have a job. You don't know how to work, and you're like, "Everything's the same. It sucks. I don't have a job. I don't have a spouse. I'm to church. I hang out with find joy and speak into my life. Help me discern what God is saying to me. I just get depressed, or just your job sucks, or your day off is like. Oh, man, I have to go to work tomorrow. Oh, no. The boss. That machine. Those customers. That's me. Some days at work, I work at a phone store, we're like right in the middle of the mall, right? And it's a all day, where's the food court? I work on commission too, right? So I get so excited people come out to the kiosk. Yes, right, this is awesome. I'm going to make some money right here. They're coming up, and they're wide-eyed and all excited to see you, you know? They're like, hey! I'm like, hey, what's up? Where's the food court? Oh, you got me! <sighs> Sabbath rest is a gift that God gives to his people, a day in which they can trust him, to hold all things together, including your small business, including your boss's life, including the customers, including, including everything. Will you trust Him? Will you hear His voice? Here's my rest. Will you trust Him to take it? If God can hold together the whole universe, He can hold together your life. Some rest. I haven't even looked at my notes yet. I'm like somewhere in the middle, maybe. <laughs> um, okay, oh yeah, this is awesome. Uh, our band, uh, we went to Canada's Wonderland Two weeks ago to uh, do worship for 350 youth and it was amazing. Amen band? Um, none of them are here, except for Gable. They're all resting because I worked too hard. Gable, okay, well, what up man? That was fun, right? Yeah. And uh, afterwards, we all got to hang out in the park and we had so much fun and we went on the roller coasters and I lost my glasses on the log ride and that sucked and I still haven't gotten back yet. <laughs> It was great. Like we freaked each other out. We made a six-foot, like super broad shoulders dude cry because of one of the roller coasters. It was amazing. <laughs> there were like six-year-old girls going on the ride, and he's like, "Just kidding, Just kidding. So much fun, right? We had such a great time. And at the end of it, uh, we're standing there, kind of waiting outside the locked doors and uh, waiting to see if they can find my glasses. It was an awful mess at the end of it. We had so much fun all day that it kind of didn't really matter. Right? Um, and we're talking to the security guards, and we're like so do you guys like hang out in the park when it's your day off? Because it'd be awesome. Like we just had so much fun. And they're like, no way. No. No, we run as far away from this place as possible. Right? Cool. Right? Because they're in it. That, is, that place is a place of rest and joy and enjoyment for people. You can take your family and your kids and have a great time and spend $100 on funnel cake. Right? Or $100 trying to win your kid a giant stuffed animal and still not get it. You could just bought the stuffed animal for $20, right? It's awesome. A place of rest for some people can be not a place of rest for other people. Great advice from a mentor of mine. Adam, when you preach, don't be overly prescriptive, right? Because we don't want to be like those religious people. And I can tend to be that. Now that I'm a Christian and I think I know everything and I have Jesus and everything's good, so you should do this and not do that and be like me, and yay! Right? So don't hear me saying, your rest has to look like that and your rest has to look like this, because it's not, right? Our rest is Canva's Wonderland. That security guard, his rest is not Canva's Wonderland. The vomiting and screaming kids and rowdy people, and the lost glasses people. Yeah. Theologically, how does that work out? Okay, in the Bible, right, we have the priests, right? And on the Sabbath, everyone enjoys the day of the Lord, and they make their sacrifices, and they worship, and they feast, and they do all this stuff, right? What are the priests doing? They're working. They're doing stuff, right? And they're exempt. Are they exempt? Because that's the day, right? That's the day we should be keeping off. I love Jesus because he's pretty awesome. Um, he loves these religious people very much, but he also loves when they try and fight him about stupid things. So <laughs> let's check out some of those. Um, they, the religious people would call him a Sabbath breaker, right? They get all the rules. You're a Sabbath breaker. You're breaking the Sabbath. Why? Because he healed people. Let's check out someone's passages. So we got Luke 13. I'm just going to read it to you real quick. You can, uh, you can skip, go to it if you want. All right. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues when on the Sabbath, I'm in verse 10, by the way. Okay. First thing, Pharisees don't have an issue with teaching on the Sabbath, right? Like Daniel, is this your Sabbath day? No, right? Because they've got to come here and they've got to teach and they got to make sure all the cords are plugged in properly and they've got to make sure the order of service is printed. they got to make sure that you actually showed up to serve in the area that you said you were going to serve in, right? Then you don't and they're freaking out trying to find somebody else last minute to do it and they're like, well, I'm new here, this is my first week. And they're like, I don't care, do communion." right? This is not a day of Sabbath rest. They don't have an issue with him teaching, okay? Let's keep going. And behold, there is a woman who had a disabling spirit. For 18 years she was bent over and could not fully straighten herself.
1: When Jesus saw her,
0: he called her over and said to her, woman, you are free from your disability. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was straight. Isn't Jesus pretty cool? That's pretty cool. You can do that, Christian, just so you know. We did our healing service last week. That is your life, because Jesus led a life led by the Holy Spirit, and if you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, and you can do that, okay? But this isn't about healing. It's about Sabbath. So, and he he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant, because Jesus is healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, there are six days in which we should in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Really? <laughs> really, bro? You're going to teach the Bible, you're not going to heal somebody? Religious and self-righteous, and I'm holy because I keep this day, and I don't heal on this day. That makes me holy. Ridiculous. Then the Lord answered him, this is Jesus saying ridiculous, right? Like, you heard Adam say it, you're like, Ooh, Adam, that's a little tense. Okay, you ready? Jesus says it. You hypocrites! Sometimes it's okay to speak strongly. Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the manger and lead it away to water? And ought not this woman, the daughter of Abraham, who was Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? Right? It seems obvious, right?
1: As he said these things,
0: all of his adversaries were put to shame. So the adversaries are like, oh, yeah, we're jerks. Or they're like, I hate that Jesus guy, I don't know. We'll see in another verse how they reacted. One that's very similar to this. In fact, it might be the same story. Just told by a different dude. Here we go. As he said these things, all adversaries were put to shame. What did all the other people do? And all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. People who aren't God's people hate religious people. You know what that's like? Christian? Trying to evangelize at work? You know what that's like? Ah, oh, there's that guy. I hate working with that guy. He's always trying to tell me about Jesus. Or maybe it's not that. Maybe it is. He's always telling me to just stop looking at porn. And once I do that, all my problems go away. I hate that guy. He's telling me I should just swear a little less, you know? Or quit smoking. Or eat organic. Free range so annoying, and they've made up all these rules, and they think they're better than me because they keep those rules that they made up, it's exactly what's happening here, it's exactly what's happening here, and we all know what it feels like, and the biggest hypocrite stands right here and says, I don't know what that feels like to do that to people. But Jesus in his goodness, when he gives something to somebody, says it's good to do that kind of stuff on the Sabbath. You can rest in doing God's work on the Sabbath, giving good gifts to other people, sharing your presence and his power on the Sabbath. Because it's not about total inactivity. Obviously, he's teaching and preaching. They got no problem with that. But still, they call him a Sabbath breaker. Doing good things. Let's try another one. Oh, it's on the same page. Luke 14. One Sabbath, uh, he... uh, Sorry, verse 1. One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of the ruler of the Pharisees, that's the same religious people, right? They were watching him carefully. Carefully. They were watching him carefully. Because they know, like, is he going to break the Sabbath? Then? And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? This comes right after this, right? Pretty much. But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on the Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? Right? The conversation comes like this. Granny's in a field, and she's walking through it, and she trips, and she's stuck, and maybe she's going to die, right? And you're like, okay, well, on the Sabbath day, if we go and rescue Granny, that might be... a we might be breaking the Sabbath. Okay, so so let's talk about this for a second. How do we not break the Sabbath? Well, maybe it's okay if she's going to die. If she's not going to die, we'll just leave her there, All right? <laughs> no. Even your donkey, you would go pull him out. All right, let's not hammer this too hard. <laughs> let's go. Okay. Let's go to Matthew, another instance, another instance of Matthew. At that time Jesus went through uh, the grain fields on the Sabbath, his disciples were hungry and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, you love those guys, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Follow our rules. Do the things that we do. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of presents, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him? but only for the priests, or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath, right? Because priests do work on the Sabbath. In the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless, right? You don't care that they work on the Sabbath and they do this stuff, right? Because they're doing what God told them to do. I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. This is where everything starts to change. Christian, if you're wondering, do you have to take Sunday off? Here's where everything starts to change. I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. Let's remember this. What is it? And if you hadn't known what this means, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. He's quoting, but he quotes it so smartly. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Jesus is quoting something else, right? He says, do you know what this means? But also he's saying at the same time that he's God who has spoken these words before. He's God who a man to dwell with his people, to set them free, to give them a gift and rest. We can think about that Hebrew verse. We're going to come back to it in a second we can enter the rest that god's people his chosen people can enter into that rest i desire mercy and not sacrifice you would not have condemned the guiltless for the son of man is what lord of the sabbath i created it i gave it to you i can do what i want on the sabbath because the Sabbath isn't a bunch of rules that you made up. It's a day that I gave you to live free. It's not about you. It's to the Lord. It's to the Lord. And Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. gotta go back to notes. I lost it. Thanks for having grace for you guys. This is my third time preaching ever. So then we ask ourselves a question, right? Do we as Christians have to keep the Sabbath day? Because the Jews took the Sabbath day on which day? Anybody? Saturday. Right? And you, as a Christian, you can go back and read the Old Testament and be like, Oh yeah, the Bible says we should decide this Saturday. Right? And some weird Christian cults like the Seventh day Adventists say, Oh, we've got to take this day off. This is our day of worship. And if you're Jewish, you take Saturday off for your day of worship. You go to the temple. And Christians, it takes Sunday off. Why? And one of those one of those cults can come up to you and say, You take Take Saturday off. Oh yeah, it says that in the Bible. Man, maybe these guys are more right than those guys. I'm gonna just go join this cult over here and get led astray. Be told that the teachings of this other person and not Jesus are more important than Jesus' teachings because the people who are talking about Jesus seem to not be obeying the Bible, right? And it gets really weird really fast. And you get really confused really easily about the Sabbath. And I didn't know that this was so complicated Right? Or as a Christian, I didn't even know this word. Let alone argue about it and the day that it should be and how it should be done. We don't understand the big picture of Scripture like Mike was talking about in the discipleship series. And Mike, thank you Thank you guys for organizing that and bringing people into our church to give gifts to us of knowledge and wisdom and teaching and presence and love and care. Thank you guys for that. Taking time to organize that. Probably stressing yourselves out a little bit. Maybe even not getting a day off because it was hard to organize things like that with important people who live in other countries to bring them here to give gifts to our church. And I love you guys for that. Thank you for that. And Mike, thank you for teaching us some of the big themes of Scripture. And here's a the big theme. Fulfillment of the law. Covenant. We trace it all the way through. Our Hebrews verse, right? The things that were promised. We can have it now. How does that work? Okay. Matthew 5. Jesus comes not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. How does that work? All right. I had a story about like going to school and getting a cool report card, and like Jesus gives you his report card so you can get into college, unlike me. Because um, if I gave you my report card, it would suck, and you would not get into university and you wouldn't get the job you wanted, right? But with Jesus' report card, right? Jesus gives you, I mean, this is a really cool story. I can tell you a different one. As I was, as we were worshiping, and I, man, the Holy Spirit was like, "Use this story. Use this story." You ever been to a club before?
1: Remember when you were really young and you tried to get
0: into a new club for the first time? It was like, because you're probably still underage and using your buddy's ID or some fake ID you kind of bought the store. This is my life. It might not be your life, but some of you in here have the same life. I right? know. <laughs> um, we would do that, and we would get really stressed out, like, you have, to have the right shoes on, you know, because it's all about the shoes at the club, you know? If <laughs> you don't have the right shoes, that big scary dude at the front, he's going to kick you out. I know you're 17, because you didn't put on your dress shoes. Right? You didn't have a college shirt. So we'd show up, and our hair was, like, way overly gelled, and we looked way nicer than anybody in line because we were trying really hard to wear the right clothes so that we could get past the dude with our big IDs. And we're singing the song here, Cornerstone, and the Holy Spirit says, you are dressed in His righteousness alone. You cannot make yourself look good. You cannot fulfill the law. Only Jesus can fulfill the law. And He does, and He says, here's my righteousness. You can get in because of the garments I give you. You get an all-access pass because of the garments that I dress you in. And it's a gift. And the law is fulfilled. And something new comes into play. Somewhere in the Old Testament it says, I'll make a new covenant with my people. good enough for the Hebrews guy. I don't have to remember all the quotes. Right? Somewhere in the Old Testament it says something like this, right? I'll make a new covenant with my people. Give them a heart of flesh and not a heart of stone. Because you religious people who think it's all about following the rules, you have a heart of stone. You're not living. You're dead. So Christians, do you have to keep the Sabbath? Good question. Uh, do we? Let's, let's just start with the first command. Let's go through them real quick. I'm way over. Uh, command number one, worship God and God alone. Yeah? Yeah, okay, we keep that. Okay, let's skip a few. Uh, don't murder. You still have to do that? Not murder? Yes. Okay, awesome. Um, Sabbath. Why do we think... There's an argument. Do we still have to do that? Because like, all those other commandments Jesus seems to have said in the New Testament again, except for the Sabbath. Right? Okay. No, you don't have to keep the Sabbath day on Saturday. Something new is happening. Jesus didn't command you to keep the Sabbath. He says, I'm going to try and wrap it up now. Sorry, guys. I will Dan, why don't you just come on? That'll help me finish sooner. Matthew chapter 11, this is what Jesus says about rest.
1: And this is God's word
0: to you today, and the fulfillment of Hebrews 4, and the rest that you can enter. Because it's not about just that one day, right? Your pastor does not rest on Sunday. I generally do not rest on Sunday. yesterday, I rested, and I got to play with toy soldiers and say, "Uh, is that to the Lord? Is that to the Lord? Is that rest? I don't know. It was to the Lord, because I worked my butt off all week. I got to hang out with guys who weren't part of the church, and I'm bent towards evangelism. And so hanging out with those guys and getting to, throughout the day, share my story and what God's called me to do here in the city, really fills me up, really gets me going. It really helps God just break in through all the work that I've done throughout the day and affirm my call. Go back to Toronto from Australia. Start a church. This is what you will do with your life. and You'll pastor that church. And people will meet Jesus. And God will be glorified. I will be glorified in the middle of the city in which there is not a lot of people giving glory to God. Yet they are themselves, in and of themselves, made in His image and likeness. And just by being alive, they give glory to Him. But with their life, they do not give glory and go there and teach them the Bible and tell them about Jesus. And I got to do that yesterday, and it was awesome. And I came home, and we were dancing. I have a new roommate now. It's really fun. But so me and my wife, my roommate, uh, she's sitting on the couch, and I'm like, I'm like standing on my computer, and I'm listening to music, and I'm like dancing. I'm like so stoked and full of energy, because I had a good day of rest and enjoying fulfillment to the Lord, playing with toy soldiers. Some of you need to stop watching Netflix all the time. Some of you, you just need to get your spouse on the couch and put your arm around them and watch Netflix. And it's gonna look different for all of you. If you work with your mind, rest with your hands. It's not a rule, but try it out. Work with your hands, rest with your mind. Read a book or something. Hang out with the forest. This is what Jesus says. Matthew 11. And at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father. This is prayer. He's declaring something to his people, but he's praying. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son. Anyone. Anyone. If you don't know Jesus, he's talking about you right now. If you know Jesus, he's talking about you right now. To whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in the heart. You will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is our time to respond. If you don't rest, if you don't work, give your sin to Jesus in communion. Take the bread and the blood, the representative elements of those things, Eat together with this family. If you're not a Christian, this is not for you. You don't believe that. You don't declare Jesus is my rest. Eat. He died on the cross for my rest. Eat, right? So you don't do that because you don't believe that. But if that's true for you, and it may not have been true for you until right now, and if that became true for you right now, give your sin to Jesus. Come take it. After that, we're going to give our stuff to Jesus. We're going to take that little bag and we're going to put our money in it. We say, Lord, take our money. Then we're going to give our song to Jesus. And say, Jesus, be our rest. And we sing to you and we thank you, the Father of rest. Who gives good gifts to his